Welcome back to this very special edition of Man of the Machine. Now, you will find that I called it a very special edition of Man of the Machine because we are going to be doing a new, hot, uh, reoccurring segment where myself and a good buddy of mine who you will notice for his superstar antics on the podcast known as Men of the Machine... Uh, his, his most famous work is that of what you would call Halloween in July, and or getting super drunk talking about porn stars. It's Craig Bible. <laughs> yes, we did indeed talk about porn stars. I think those are the only episodes you've... Oh, Sand- Sandman! Oh, Sandman! Oh, yeah. yeah we, we did some Sandman. And I think we did one other. We yeah. did Drunk, Halloween, Sandman, and I know we did one other solo. Probably. Back in Ledgered. Yeah. But I'll never remember what it was. And that's not the point. So, two things. One, this ongoing mini-series that we are going to do on this podcast, if you listen to it, you're probably one of my friends, is about Watchmen. Woo! The second part, the more important part, there is way more Watchmen stuff than I thought because it's not a secret that the creator hates that there's Watchmen stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's also not a secret that companies love money. That's also true. So you would be remiss to think, what's remiss mean before I keep that sentence going? Ooh, those are one of those you, words that yeah. I sort of know how to use, but I don't know the definition right? off the top of my head. It's kind of true. You would be stupid <laughs> to think that they would not capitalize on what I consider, and many consider, the greatest comic book of all time. Now, I'll do a, just a, a minute of uh, gatekeeping, I believe it's called. There is... Or you tell me how I'm sh- a shit fan. No, 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 no. But that's why, that's <laughs> part of point two, which leads into point three. Because of how hot Watchmen is currently, not only in um, television for the HBO show, yep. um, not only in movies, because for some reason, and that's not why we're doing this, you came to me with this idea, aside from this, because I don't think you know about this, they're advertising the 10th year of the movie for Watchmen all oh. over my YouTube. All over it. Every oh. other ad is, what? and it's like a scene, you know, like um, Night Owl and Silk Spectre punching people in the alley or whatever. They'll pick like a scene, and then it'll say, Watchmen, 10th anniversary, hashtag whatever, whatever. I didn't realize it's been 10 years since the movie I, came out. I don't get it. But anyway, so that's kind of popular because they're advertising it for some reason. Um, and then it's obviously uh, in comics as well because Doomsday Clock is still going on the one year 12 issues one a month story that was supposed to wrap in december of last year still hasn't dropped its final issue so whatever point is there's many places to jump into watchmen that i had not previously ever thought of i knew the movie and i knew watchmen and then obviously i knew of doomsday clock obviously i knew the hbo show and then i knew of before watchmen which was uh started in 2012 was a series where they took a bunch of writers and tried to reinvigorate the characters. Kind of flopped. Um, it sold well because it's Watchmen and it didn't get critically reviewed that great. Um, and I have my own reasons for that. The point is, much like the MCU with comic fans, you can jump into the Iron Man movies, have a great time, and form a love for the character without being aware of what it is. Yep. So we're going to start with the original, Watchmen. The issues, we're going to do them one at a time because, as we found out just a few seconds ago, it takes a really long time just to read one issue. Oh, yeah, like, 
you look at it and and you just look at the page count and you're uh, like, oh yeah, I think that's it's a, really not that much. I think it's a standard twenty eight page. I, I think. But then you get into it and they pack a lot of detail into one issue. Oh, the actually the graphic novel. Uh, okay, that was going to be where my gatekeeping <laughs> kicked in. This is not a graphic novel. DC used that, so that term has been around for a while. Um, and that term always stood for exactly what it sounds like, a graphic novel, a collection of, you know, not a collection, that's what a trade is. A bunch of, uh, it's a big comic is basically yep. what it is, but it's meant to be read and taken more seriously because comic books at the time, the Golden Age, Silver Age, were kind of, you know, Joker used a bang gun, that kind of stuff. So DC was like, because the issues did so well and the story was so good, they put out the trade of it, which is what this is actually called, which is a collection of issues from a run. This is a mini-series. It was a 12-issue series. People ran with it as a graphic novel, you know, yada, yada. And they still will, and that's awesome. Plenty of graphic novels come out every day. I have a bunch on my shelf over there, like Shirtless Bear Hunter, who is a great book. But that's a graphic novel. It was intended to be released. This was intended as a 12-issue read-monthly mini-series. So I will continue to call it a comic. Everyone else will. It's commonplace now. You call this graphic novel to my face? I'm going to kiss you so that way you have to feel gay the rest of the day. Oh, that's how I shucks. get you. We're allowed to be a little homophobic. We're reading Watchmen. It's oh, that's fine. Yeah, true. yeah, it's oh, totally okay. I mean, you read the first page and you're... <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll get into that. So, point is, um, I believe it's only 28 pages. Let me flip it. So, it's 26 plus a four, five, it's six... It's a six-page, yeah. A, a six-page excerpt which I think is genius, and a lot of books have done this since and before, um, where he actually writes a mini novel that is in every issue of the book. So we'll keep reading that. It's called Under the Hood. Um, we haven't really decided how we're going to talk about that. We can do that each issue, or we can wait to sum it up at the end. It is pertinent, though. There is yeah. important stuff that it says in it that uh, pertain to future issues and the issue that it came from. So it's really good to know. Anyways, this book is incredible. Oh, and yeah. it is my favorite thing in the world. So I have one very specific job for you. If I get too hyped, and I'm talking about the movie, and I'm talking about Before Watchmen, and I'm talking about the TV show that's coming out, and the history of it, and the creator, and David Lindelof, and all that bullshit. Keep you on track. Yeah, just be like, hold on, we're talking about the issue now. We'll get to the movie, we'll get to Doomsday Clock, we'll get to Jeff Johns. For now, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, Watchmen. We good? The OG. The OG, yes. A um, little bit of history about the book if you don't know it. Uh, it was released in 1986, I believe, uh, or maybe 85 into 86, um, and what happened was Alan Moore was an up-and-coming, no, he was a pretty established writer, but he was not the Alan Moore of today, and, um... Yes, Angry Hobo Man. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar to Neil Gaiman starting on Sandman. Yes, he had books out, yes, people knew he could write, but, like, wait, you can do this? That sort of a thing. Um, he wanted to write, uh, DC had purchased the Fawcett Company and Charlton Comics and all that good stuff forever ago, whenever, and he wanted to use, he wrote a book a few years before that called Miracle Men, which was the same thing. Hey, there's a, a superhero slash couple superheroes that nobody really thinks about anymore is forgotten, and he references that in Under the Red Hood when talking about Superman. These, oh, yeah. these people are forgotten. I want to write them. They let him do Miracle Man. He pitched him Charlton. For whatever reason, I'm sure there is a reason I could find on my iPad. I have that open. They said no to him. And he's like, all right, can I do an original story? They said yes. And he probably did the evil villain. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what that means. 
which he just took the characters and bastardized them and, and told this incredible story that's a deconstruction of the genre. It's kind of a parody on stories. It was also an in-your-face because the CDC existed at this time, the comics, or the C8, the AAC. There was a code we talked about. Yeah, we talked that about That was around, and they were trying to, like, hey, in major comics, you can't, Batman can't have a bulge in his suit, that kind of stuff. Oh, right? shucks. I know, bat nipples wouldn't have flown. What? Flown. Then how's Clooney ever going to make it big? That guy, he, he had moxie. <laughs> Uh, and what they did, uh, you know, was more Frank Miller and Alan Moore and Grant Morrison were a big, big push on, on dark comics coming about. So he wrote this, a big controversy, which we will be talking about in every episode of this podcast, because as you talk about all the iterations, you have to go back to Angry Wizard, Alan Moore, who is a, is a wizard. He got yeah. into magic and he's a self-proclaimed wizard and he put a hex on Damon Lindelof for making the show. I've actually read a little bit about that. Not on purpose. I think I just stumbled on Reddit and there was like another co uh, comic book art uh, author and they were wizards of different schools and they were rivals. Uh, oh, so you were reading about Grant Morrison. Yeah, oh, probably. Grant Morrison is into chaotic magic. Okay, then it was Grant Morrison. It, oh, I'm not surprised by so that. So <laughs> Alan Moore writes my favorite book of all time. Grant Morrison is my favorite writer just in general, I love that man. I own so many of his work and a bunch of like single issues I hunted down at Comic Con of the stories I really liked. I should get into magic. I think I can do this. Well, it is all made up and a bunch of nonsense, but sure, go for it. Everything's made up in nonsense. This is the best part. <laughs> he he talked about on a Fat Man on Batman podcast that I highly recommend checking out. Uh, uh, Grant Morrison. So just minor. Just let me just two seconds. Okay, two seconds. Uh, and it's just because. Talks about his experience when he was in his 30s. He had made a boatload of money off of uh, Arkham Asylum that he wrote, which is the top three Batman, top five Batman stories ever written. Um, and he goes to Kathmandu. Oh yeah, the, the, the yeah. holding your breath up the stairs, and then he meets Alien. It's like Zager. it's like 300 stairs steps, 312, and you have to hold your breath all the way, and you receive enlightenment. He did it, didn't feel anything. Went back to his hotel. They partied a little bit. Next next day, it was two days later, um, so not the next day, the day after that, he had a spiritual um, scenario of, of teleportation, going through portals, aliens talking to him, showing him the future, all this stuff. So for my 30th birthday, um, we're doing Nepal. We're going to Nepal because I'm going to do the Kathmandu thing as like my Grant Morrison and, and hopefully experience something if I am allow myself to... I don't mean it in the magical sense. I mean that people are incredibly impressionable, and if I want it to happen, my brain is stupid enough to make it happen. Yes. So that's what I'm going for. Um, point also, is... Also, I just realized, you weren't even the one that told me about the Katmandu story. Oh. Yeah. But I love that story. I talk about it. That's my favorite story. It was my friend Kent who told me and Jimmy when we were visiting him in Burlington. I mean, if you... Fusion. Fusion. Fusion, uh, huh? That would be a dumb fusion name. Although <laughs> Goten, it would Kevent would probably be it. Or, well, you just remove the VI for my name and, and add a T and it's Kent, but that's just his name. Yeah. It, pff, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Anyways, they're both wizards. They hate each other. So um, <laughs> the, the big controversy that started all this that we'll only touch on now and elaborate on many episodes from now because there's uh, the, the before Watchmen stuff will take us, there's like... There's nine series, some of them are six issue, some of them are four issue, some of them are eight issue, and then there's a couple one shots. So how we choose to do that, we'll get to it. That's a lot. Right? And everyone Alan Moore hates for a different reason, and then the movie and Doomsday. What happened was, 
He wrote this story and he signed a contract. Now, I have up until about three days ago held the very Alan Moore pro stance that he was in the right. The contract was, this book is going to come out one issue a month. After the final issue goes out of print, you get the rights back. Alan Moore, a lot of creator-owned stuff. Do you know how Image Comics was created? No, not quite. Basically, a ton of people at Marvel said, we're creating all these awesome characters for you, like Rob Liefeld creating Deadpool in the 90s. Uh, we're creating all these good, we want intellectual property. Marvel said, go fuck yourself. Stan Lee, spider friends, go fuck yourselves. And they were like, oh, Excelsior. And they got screwed. So they went and formed Image. Image is where Kirkman has done all his good work, Walking Dead. He owns all the rights to that. That's why he gets paid millions for the movie, or for the show. Oh, that's good. Marvel and DC don't do that. They say, you write for us, we pay you, whatever you create is ours, when you're gone, you're gone. And Alan Moore didn't want that to happen, so... Last issue goes out of print, I get to own the comics. Well, last issue went out of print, and then the trade came out. They didn't do trades a ton, but they did do trades. The trade comes out. It sells well. They reprint it. It sells well. They make a hardcover. Yada, 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 yada. They keep printing it. So the technicality is the book never stopped printing. The rights aren't his. And then he, fighting, they sue each other, uh, whatever, legal battle. So that's why he's so resentful, and that's part of why in our chat today when we were talking about he attacked companies hard, because that's his thing. He's like, you know, Marvel and DC uh, are more concerned with the buck and not the hero that's in the page. You know, Superman is no longer this really intense, deep yada yada, he's a dollar sign. And that's kind of how he feels because of this Watchmen debacle. He's went on to do a lot of other things. They tried to make the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. They made the From Hell movie. Whole bunch of shit. He's been screwed every step of the way as far as his IP goes. Oof. But the point is, you signed a contract with a company. Most of his best work is rehashing someone else's work. This is the Charlton comics. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's borrowing stuff. From Hell is about Jack the Ripper. Like, everything he did is... So, you know, where do you... Who do you agree with? Who you don't? Did the company? The, whatever. Um, it's, it's a not, very big gray quagmire right. of who is the most ethically right because no one is one hundred percent ethically you know, right. DJ brings up the Witcher example of that guy signed a shit contract and they made out like a bandit from it. Like oh, that in that case, that was totally that dude's fault mm-hmm. because they gave him the royalty the option. option. Yeah. And he said no. Yeah. And that was his mistake. Yeah. No, 100%. So, yeah, they tried to do good by him, but Witcher guy's an idiot. So so you it could be argued again, I haven't read the official transcript. They said when this book stops existing, you get the rights back. The book was really good. There is no reason for it to not. It's I'm not I'm not 100% on this besides Death of Superman. I believe it's one of their best-selling books ever. I could believe that. I would. I would have to look that up. Death of Superman, I think, is the highest-selling single issue they've ever had um, of all time, which was a ninety. Again, the nineties. Fucking nineties was gimmicks. Gimmicks galore. It was a weird time for comics. I didn't believe it. Patrick would tell me. On about track. It. Right. So um, that's Alan Moore. That's Watchmen. Him and Dave Gibbons wrote a book, and we're gonna talk about it. Issue number one. I do want to mention Gibbons okay with some of the the watchman stuff gibbons he's he works on the show with them yep he's a consultant he's he has been good all along the way he's been like i wouldn't i don't love it because i think what we a lot this is popular amongst a lot of creators who aren't named jk rowling or george lucas 
we made something great, stop growing it. Just let it be. Um, a lot of people obviously want to see more. We talked about that at work today. When you, yep. when you like something, you want more. Dave Gibbons understands that, but he kind of wishes it wasn't. He, he's one of those kind of like, I get it. You're making money. People love it. But, like, can we not? No, we're gonna. Okay. That's why, like, I, I'm I'm enjoying the show, and I'm excited about the show, yeah. because he's excited about it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, at least one of the creators will give it his seal of <coughs> approval. This is also, like, the first one where Alan Moore didn't, like, vocally express his hatred, other than the hex on Damon Lindelof. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from that, but that's because he's a wizard. Aside from that... Wizards are gonna whiz. Yeah, well, you can't stop a wizard from whizzing. <laughs> no, of So, not. that's what he chose to do. So, anyways, Watchmen. Issue one. Issue one. Uh, I'm very happy that the trade that you're gonna be reading and that I have here um, is, is printed exactly like the uh, comic. So, for those of you who own a trade of it, it is very important, the pacing of the book and some of the hardcovers... Un, you know, did without the chapters, and they just go page, 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 page. Yeah. Every issue begins and ends with purpose, um, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the under the hood, the way they choose to separate it is very important issue to issue. And there's other stuff added in. There's newspaper cutouts. There's the Black Freighter story that begins and ends a thing. Over time, they've started to kind of cut and re-edit it. They've re-edited it. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. But if you have one, or you're going to get one, try to get one that separates them by chapters, or even the individual issues, um, and has all the spacing proper. That's all I'll say. Yeah, like, the first time I read this, like, ten years ago, mm-hmm. which probably, I think that's the only time I read it. About when the movie came out. I think the movie was, yeah, like, I 2008 watched, or nine. I watched the movie. Right. I liked it. I was like, oh, that's really neat. And I was like, in one of those modes where, especially because of anime, I was like, oh, I like this. I'll go read the original written form of it. Right. And so the one, the trade that I read, didn't have it split up by chapters, so I didn't know where to stop, so I just kept on reading. Right. And it didn't have under the hood, so that's new Oh, at all? No. Okay. So, yeah, that's part of what I'm saying. If, you, if you're out to buy this, you'll notice varying thicknesses, varying size and prints. Just try to get one that has it and if you can't whatever it's still the best story ever but yep. it's very cool to read it in the original format and i believe this trade is actually from the 90s when they did the reprints on it based off what's on it so anyways um issue one uh he calls out a special thanks to neil gaiman mike lake pat mills and joel orlando or joe orlando no idea who three of those four people yeah. are uh but it's really good anyways the opening cover is always like the front cover is always the first panel of the issue you'll notice that going on um and hopefully people as well but like you know very zoomed in so with purpose again the cover is very zoomed in the first issue is more zoomed out and yep. then or the first panel and then it slowly works backwards opens up and it does that on purpose he does that a lot it's a common um thing and he is this is what people whenever anyone in comics now writes a nine panel grid they're like, oh, so you're doing the Watchmen thing? Huh. You think because the whole book is that it, the whole panel isn't. I mean, obviously, you see, it's not officially nine, but it's the nine panel grid. Yeah. You know, every single page of this book. So it could be broken up into thirds, uh, a whole, or a third and two thirds. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and it's great. So you get you've the most famous image from Watchmen: the button with the blood on it, and it's sitting in a pool of blood, and it's zooming out to show you exactly what that is. Which is a dude staring down uh, out of a broken window 
and he's looking at a, a dude just hosing blood off of a sidewalk. Okay, I want to. The very first thing the I want to is say is important. Yeah, go yeah, with it. Very first thing I want to say, reading this after ten years, is, oh my god, fuck Rorschach. So he is awful. I maybe it was because I was like an edgy twenty-year-old, but now that I read it, I'm like, this guy is awful. It's not because you're an edgy twenty-year-old. It's because the movie made him badass. The movie even, so that's what's, what's, Alan Moore is famous for saying that Watchmen was created in that it cannot exist as a movie, it cannot exist as a book. This is the only medium you can tell this story. And one of the most important ways is how Rorschach talks. He is the most, so the movie gave him that growl. Yeah. It also gave him emotion that I'll get to later in issue one that I didn't even think about until reading this issue again. I've read this book a thousand times, but for some... Anyways, I'll get to that. The movie gave him emotion. It gave him purpose. It gave him this sort of, like, drive. And it, and body language was really important that they didn't do right in the movie either that you'll see in this as we talk about the first issue. This is the most numb-to-society, self-righteous, dead-inside person you could possibly imagine. Uh, actually, I'll just... I'll read just a... What? Like, the first... First three? Oh yeah, go ahead. All right, so Rorschach's Journal, October 12th, 1985. Dog carcass in alley this morning. Tire tread on burst stomach. This city is afraid of me. I've seen its true face. The streets are extended, gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when that drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waists, and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And I'll look down and whisper, no. What's really important about that is, A, obviously this dude's got issues. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, he is... He's Batman without a conscious. Yep. He is just like, I'm the only one with the answer. Everyone thinks I'm the man. I'm obviously fucking awesome. These guys love me, and I'm going to be the reason they survive or don't. It's super messed up. But the movie does this, especially with the timing on that, on that last one. I didn't read that right. The way I chose to read, and I still, because I read this before I saw it, uh, the movie back when it came, I did see it in theaters. I was lucky enough, my friend was really into it. He, gave, he let me borrow it. He got it for Christmas or something. He's like, hey, it's a good book. Read it. And just, you know, the rest is history, they say. History. I've always chose to read it almost as if um, a really good computer voice. You know, like when you're when you're on the press one for, yeah. and it's like almost human? That's how I read him. No growl, no softness, no anger, no happiness. Like, literally the most deadpan. Yeah, we'll get to it in a later scene uh, with the character we'll meet. But she points out, like, he's monotone. Yeah, Sally does. He doesn't... He sometimes speaks in complete sentences, but yeah. most of the time doesn't. That's the other important thing. He's not stupid. The, the 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 movie occasionally so have you you know the office yeah you know when he uh, the when Kevin Malone decides uh, to talk less <laughs> use less why say lot word when few word do trick yeah that's what the movie did to Rorschach it used so much dialogue that was perfect don't get me wrong they took this dialogue but the timing was so important so like that last part where he says the accumulated filthy yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll look up and shout save us and I'll look down and whisper no. I like to think when I read that, he said that. Like, obviously in his mind, he didn't... Eh, who knows? Maybe he was talking on buildings. It's Rorschach. Yeah. 
But I choose to read that in a straight line. The movie said, you know, they'll look up and save us, and then they give you that pause, and he does the, and I'll look down and, and whisper, no. And it's like, no, that's not how he would do it. There's and no. I'll look down and I'll whisper no. Exactly. He, he's just like, he doesn't know the weight of what he's saying. He just knows that he means it. And, yep. and I don't know. It's great. So he goes on to explain in just this little sort of talk, basically throughout this, in, this entire first issue, how terrible people are, how awful the city is, <laughs> but he's going to save it. And he, he expects the worst out of everyone they're yeah. awful they're whores they're corrupt politicians they're those dirty liberals <laughs> yeah. oh he hate and yeah. the, this is very important um we'll get to it later i'm not going to spoil too much uh he says they had a choice all of them they could have followed in the footsteps of good of good men like my father or president truman <laughs> that's important for two reasons one he didn't fucking know president truman he he's he's idolizing him like people do reagan or people do you know, whatever else <laughs> not political podcast but um but his father it's important to um, you know but i'm just saying as we get through it he's calling his father a good man and and then he says you know decent men who believed in a works pay a works gosh my bad decent men who believe in day's work for a day's pay and it's like whoa <laughs> we learn more about you that's this, where did you get this mentality also, from? Also, right away, he's not doing a days of work for days <laughs> of pay. No, no. Well, he never has. He, 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 well, we'll get to it. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, like, even later on, yeah. we'll see him saying something that he doesn't have the self-awareness to realize it applies to him. Like, yeah. I'm surrounded by people with uh, uh, mental disorders. Like, yeah. Mm. are you if you see an asshole every day who's the asshole all right <laughs> what's that saying if you see an asshole once they're the asshole if you see him every day maybe you You're are that, yeah. yeah um but then it, it goes into something that's really nice you've seen a lot over it's it's people investigating the room of that body that created that blood which you find out it's a guy named edward blake who uh as the text goes on i again this is something that i just really liked reading it and uh Every panel has the text, and every other one has the image of what's going on for the comedian. Yep. And the specifically what the cops are saying matches the image either in the inverse way or sometimes in the same way, which I thought was nice. It's not predictable. Everyone's the same. But it's, you know, like this one. A lot of class, expensive account living. Maybe he just got soft. And in that one, he's broken through a mirror bleeding out of his face. It's like, mm, you know, yeah, maybe he did. Get, obviously he didn't, but maybe he did. Or in the one before that... You know, uh, the the occupant was home when it happened. Someone broke into this house and killed this man. And in that panel, of course, you see him home. He's home when it happened. There's nothing there. But then you see the inverse. No, I mean the guy, uh, I mean this guy, this Blake guy, the occupant, he had a mus muscles like a weightlifter. He would have put up some kind of fight. No, in that panel, he's getting knocked the fuck out. And this uh, unshown burglar, whatever the hell we don't know what it is, is literally kicking the shit out of him. So yeah. I thought that was good writing. I yeah. thought that was really the cool. The scene shows a lot of good juxtaposition where the cops are going over, or the detectives are going over, they're speculating what would happen using common sense for what would yeah. happen. And they're talking through it naturally. Yeah. This isn't like, you know, police report, yada. They're just like, hey, what do you think's going on, yada, yada. And obviously, uh, well, not obviously, we'll find out in the next couple of pages. They don't know that he's the comedian. So... Right. They have. They would know that it's. Is it someone going after a hero? 
or yeah. adventurer as they're called. And they keep talking about was it one guy? Was it two guys? You know, this guy was built like a Mack truck, and that glass was like super thick plated glass. How'd he go through it? Yeah, if you were to trip, you wouldn't just break it. You had yeah. been thrown. And uh, actually, one thing we didn't notice, at the, or we didn't say at the beginning, uh, in this book, there's a, a homeless man walking throughout it at all times with a sign saying, the end is nigh. Yeah, the redheaded guy? Yep, because this book is built around um, the end of the world. That's kind of the ongoing theme in the whole book, which yep. we only get one mention of in this, and it's actually in the art, not in the text. And that's really important. So he's walking around the end is now he walks through the blood. Um, but anyways, they talk about what do we do here? Do we keep it quiet or or what in the public eye? We're going to keep investigating. And they're like, yeah, we'll just let this one uh, drop. Let this one drop. And they're like, well, what if Ro- this is sets up Rorschach? What if Rorschach's catch win? The dude's wanted on two counts, one for murder. Oh, yeah. The, the important thing is they break up the Keen Act of 77. Yes, which uh, outlawed masked uh, vigilantes. Yes, only those that were sponsored by the government, which I think the only two are uh, mentioned in this chapter. Uh, no, no, Rorschach calls out all of them. Uh, Rorschach lets you know every single, which I, I thought was really good. There's a, I'll, we'll get to that. Um, he, he tells you exactly where everyone is or would be, uh, which is cool. But they bring up that, yes... None of them worked. Uh, only the government-sponsored ones are active, and the only ones active are the comedian and Dr. Manhattan. Obviously, you can't outlaw Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, because he can just do whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, we don't know that yet, but well, we'll you, <laughs> you can outlaw Dr. Manhattan. So they're like, oh, well, if he finds out about this, you know, we'll be in, we'll be in, uh, what did they say? We'll be up to our butt in corpses. Because <laughs> Rorschach just does whatever the hell he wants. So then it's a wordless panel, and this is actually one of my favorite things ever, because uh, it shows how ridiculous he can be. So he walks out, he picks up the bloody button, which for some reason the guy cleaning the sidewalk didn't pick up, but that's whatever, that's storytelling. Um, puts it in his pocket, pulls out a dope Batman-style gun, and shoots it up to start climbing. This is another example of where this is awesome. I'm going to reiterate this during the movie, so I'm going to do it quickly. Where this is awesome and the movie's terrible. He shoots it up, and then what is that last panel? Oh, that's him. It's, it's him doing the Batman climb. Yeah, you know Eminem in, in that stupid freaking parody song video where he's yeah. climbing outside. Everyone's seen it from 66 Batman where they're walking up. The- yep. He's doing that because he's insane, and he has, to par- you know, he has to climb up the side of a building like that. The movie shot it, and then he, uh, like up and landed and it was like wow that was fucking awesome and it was i admit watching it is like a i think it was like 17 or 16 i was like this is awesome it's not this guy's insane oh yeah this is great absolutely but the art is wonderful it's all shadows it's dreary i think the colors that were chosen for this book are incredible i'm not sure if dave gibbons chose the cover colors himself usually there's a penciler and then a colorist and or an inker whatever and then a printer i don't know I love the co- I love the style of this guy. Oh, work. it is worth noting that in this trade, they did do like some touches up on it in two thousand and five. That's what this trade was. Yep. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm not noticing immediate differences, but that's probably just because they like boosted colors or something. Um, but then you get the you know at midnight, all the agents is what it says on the thing, and you get that famous picture of Rorschach sitting on the windowsill because um, he broke his way in. Lots of. Lots of lack of dialogue, which I could have just said a lack of dialogue, but I like spicing up my sentences. Because that's not what he's about. There's no one with him. Lone wolf, and he's just investigating, looking through the house with a flashlight. 
until and, he gets to the closet. Yeah, and he's not an idiot. He, he's going to investigate farther than a cop would looking at a wall. And he finds a button, which he opens to, you know, show off the comedian's full wardrobe. And it even shows the old school stuff in his wardrobe, like the leather mask, which he doesn't wear, I think, in the movie at all. Actually, I don't even know if it shows the mask in the movie. No, I think it just has, like, the... The the, eye patch thing, yeah. But he had a mask, and we'll see it later in the book, too. It shows everything. And what I thought was really interesting and kind of awesome, he pulls all the stuff out and lays it out on the ground as if, you know, as if it made the person. He puts the pants and the boots on the end, the gloves up on the shirt and all that good stuff. It's kind of fucking weird, but... Also, anyone else who comes in is going to find out this is the comedian now. So the cops earlier pointed out, like, is he shaking hands with the vice president? Wow, what is, this guy's a connected guy. <laughs> he also, this parallels their investigation. He goes through the house. He sees all stuff, except he finds this. And in it is a picture of the Minutemen. The Minutemen. Which I don't think they name in this issue, do they? They do. The, they say the Minutemen. Yeah. Um, it, it oh, might, it might be Hollis. The, yeah. No, Hollis says it. It's in this next scene. Yeah. So he finds a picture of the Minutemen, kind of pairing that, and he also finds all the stuff that shows it's the comedian. This is what sets Rorschach off right here. Someone died, he would investigate it anyways, he's a master vigilante. Holy shit, it's one of my co-workers. And you'll see, like, throughout all of the interviews he does this issue, he has one idea and he sticks with it. Other people will be like, mm. what if it's the Soviets? What if it's the Libyans? And he's like, there's a hero hunter out there. Yeah. I, I don't know buy it. it. I don't buy it. Or... No, that's not right. There's a hero hunter out there. I know it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's a little better. Um, but he looks at the Minutemen, looks at the mask, and all he does is lots of herms, erms, es, what, like, just kind of, not like woes, not o's. It's just like, mm. Not quite a... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No Tim Allen going on here. Although I bet he would love that show. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then it goes into one of the more, you know... Uh, Alan Moore does this a lot. I actually, this book isn't as wordy as I remember it being because I complained a little bit about um, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, Frank Miller's seminal work, one of the great, uh, again, rivals this for greatest comic book ever. He's wordy. I mean, every panel is just text, and you're lucky if you get a picture. And this isn't that bad, but it's a it's a conversation between Hollis Mason and and Dan, I can't remember his last name, even though I just uh, read it like I think two it's seconds ago. Dryberg? Yeah, there you go. Daniel Dryberg. Uh, who are Night Owl 1 and Night Owl 2. Yep. And they're just kind of reminiscing. Uh, they're having their beer night. Yeah, they get together, they talk about it, because Hollis inspired him to be Night Owl. Um, he got permission from Hollis, I don't know if that said this here, but he got permission from Hollis to be Night Owl. They've always been... He's always been his inspiration and and kind of his, like, uh, what do you call it? Mentor. There it is. So they're bringing up fun stories, which you get a lot. And there's my favorite, like, uh, reminiscing story later in this. You get a lot of story, like, um, that shows his big thing with this was, like, if superheroes were real, it'd be ridiculous. That was Alan Moore's big thing with this. Like, Dr. Manhattan is, what if superpowers were real? Well, we couldn't fucking compete. And what if people were just really strong and, well, they could do whatever they wanted. Comedian could run the town. So this is a really important part, I thought, because it calls out Hal's Mason talking about the Screaming Skull. He bumped into him at a grocery mart. He used to, what did he say, locked him up ten times or something like that? Yeah, and then... Put him away a dozen times. And and he reformed and turned to Jesus. And now he's married with kids. Good guy. We're going to hang out soon. Yeah, we're going (laughs) to... Like, that is what real life would be like if 
if superheroes were real and supervillains were real. Because a lot of what supervillains do, aside, stuff's gotten darker, admittedly, but a lot of what supervillains do are they, you know, heists, and they're mostly, like, against the hero. It's just a, it's a, a grudge between me and you. They can't put us in jail for that long. So this is the kind of shit that would happen. Guy would get locked up every now and again, they'd be like, all right, you're a mean guy, you shouldn't have tried to put, f- fight him in the alley and get your back out on the street in your house. So they fight a bunch, and now he's got Jesus and a family. <laughs> I think that's charming as hell. More stuff like that goes on later. It, I, I think that's really a nice touch to not... It gives it a little flavor. Like It gives it the human aspect that this book is always lacking because this is about, you know, human extremes and stuff like that. Like, it gives you that sort of... Hollis Mason is the most human piece of this whole book. I love him. Oh. I love the Night Owl. Although, whew, the movie... Uh, did you see the director's cut of the movie? No, I didn't. Oh, well, so you read the book, so you know. The director's cut added a lot of the Hollis Mason stuff that the movie decided to cut, and I thought it was wonderful. As well as, like, the Black Freighter and all that, right? Uh, The director's cut didn't add the Black Freighter. It's an an add-on thing, and I think there is an option to play it with it. Oh. But the director's cut's just the movie still. Because that's, again, like how Alan Moore talks about, you you can't really weave in an animated thing with the real thing. You also can't, couldn't, even if they did a live action, it would be really jarring in a movie. But yeah. um, the animated they did of it, I actually really liked. I thought that was great. I'll have to watch, well, we can Oh, you haven't it. seen it at all? No. No, oh, okay. I've just seen the original movie. Okay. And then the original, well, not the original uh, comic, because obviously I didn't read Under the Hood. But I found a, a trade. Yeah. It, and... That is pretty much up until I started watching the HBO show recently, the extent of my delving into the Watchmen world. Oh, oh, that's pretty that's pretty face value. I mean it's good. You you definitely know the story, but I didn't know that. Um they when we get to the movie we'll decide how we want to watch it with all those pieces. Um yeah. I have the director's cut DVD, I plan on buying the Blu-ray and I think they're I think they're releasing it four K if they haven't already. Um I would like to get that. But the Black Freighter's dope. I think you'll like it. The story itself is awesome in the book. They oh, had yeah. that in the trade you had, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Because th- you can't cut that. That's oh, no, of essential not. to it. Um, especially because the little kid. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just them reminiscing and having fun. And the old guy's always like, oh, I'm keeping you up. I'm boring you. Oh, I feel so bad. And he's like, no, I'm a new. Every I want person. to be here, yeah, dude. I think I'm having a great time. Because he's. Yeah, I think. Night Owl 2 has to be like late 30s right now i think danny yeah 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 he's in it he's so it does tell you the age they started at it does tell you the act happens at 77 and i think the book takes place in 84 80 uh, i know by the end it's 85 because in the show it shows the thing you know mm, happening mm-hmm. in 85 okay okay i really wish the movie anyways so then I, yeah, probably 85 the whole way. The story doesn't take place in a lot of time. It happens relatively quick. Um, but there's a, one line that's also really important coming up. Um, and if I forget to mention it, but he says, you know, uh, he calls Dan a better night out than me. And he says, that's bullshit. And he goes, hey, watch that language. This is the left hook that took out Captain Axis, remember? <laughs> and he's like, oh, how could I forget? Uh, old man, take care. Um, when they do the fight scene with Hollis, when he's getting mugged, that's... They, they do that. The movie did it really well of showing, like, the flashback and then the real. That's a really cool thing. He, he's definitely an old man who's got some spunk to him. I mean, he looks good. I also, like, I think the art style of the characters is pretty freaking spot on. Like, you can tell 
he's Clark Kent. Night Owl is like Bruce Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent and build and all that. But his facial expressions are like timid little child. Like, <laughs> he's scared in every panel. And I just think that's adorable. Oh, yeah. Even in like <laughs> this page, just... Yeah, his face is always super worried. So the next thing, he's walking home, which this book likes... Again, this is part of that, like, in a normal graphic novel, we can just go to his house. In a book, we can describe the walk home. What do we do in a comic? They actually spend almost an entire page on his walk home. And, and that's important. I do like that for this uh, issue, mm. as we've seen so far, it will go from, like, a scene with dialogue to a scene with no dialogue just showing things happening yeah. and then back and forth in a very nice pace. Because real people aren't talking all the time and books aren't text all the time. You know, it's, yeah, it, it helps space it out and it all help, also helps you get like a vision of the world in, in the book. Like that's super important. When he's walking down the street and there's guys listening to a boombox, look at their style and remember that later. Like those guys come up many times in this book. Um, his apartment comes up a bunch of times, like when him and Sally head back to it later. I mean, yep. being a familiar with everything from the jump is awesome. It's not just you're halfway through the book and you see his front door for the very first time and you're like, I'm, I guess that's his house. Mm. Sure. Um, it's just an introduction. So this is step A of Rorschach's hypocrisy. He comes home, sees the uh, lock to his front door just smashed in, obviously being a superhero, fists clenched, and he's walking in like kind of slowly. Uh, and he hears a guy schlopping over food, and he opens the door, uh, and he's, you know, hello, Daniel, and it's Rorschach. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Got hungry, helped myself to some beans. Like, this is a dude who already has called out, like, communists, has called out, like, bottom feeders, has called out the... the welfare queens. The, the welfare queens of the world, and he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna eat your shit and break into your house. Yeah. I love this one panel of him eating the beans, because... Normally, when you see him, he has the mask on. He has, like, the fancy trench coat and the fedora, and he right. looks cool. But when he has that up, he and he's looks... eating the beans, and he's just being gross and disgusting, that's who he actually is. Yeah, there's, there's food dripping down his chin. And also, it doesn't ever show him, like, wash up or anything. He's done. He sets it down. He cl cl puts his mask over his face. There's actually a really good, um, I think it shows it. Does it show it in that panel? When you're looking at Rorschach on his jacket... Oh, oh yeah, his jacket's dirty. Well, it's filthy, but at one point, I don't see it here, so I'll save it for later. There's blood on the lapel, and that's because that's from a much, er you know, not in the reading order, but chronologically, that's from a much earlier incident. So he's just a disgusting dude. Yeah. But basically, all he's doing here, aside from going through all the dialogue, is he's here to let him know the comedian's dead, and he believes that uh, someone's out hunting masked heroes. Because uh, why else would you... The comedian was a guy in an apartment by himself. Not a very luxurious thing. They didn't steal anything. They literally killed him and left. Um, and so we'll see this conversation a couple times three. repeated. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, his part of it repeated. Yeah. Everyone reacts similarly, but in their own special flair. Yep. Um, you know, like when he tells him out, Dan is in shock. That's the one... Dan is such a bitch. No, I mean I mean that in a good way. He is the most like pathetic of the superheroes because everything he says to him is exacerbated. Like, dead? What? What are you? I can't oh. believe it. Yeah. Not the comedian. And he even says like, "Hey, uh, listen, could we talk about this down in workshop? I feel kind of exposed here. <laughs> like, who? 
so he's obviously paranoid to some degree. He's not willing to talk because no one knows he's Night Owl. That's Hollis Mason's thing. Hollis Mason wrote a book called Under the Hood, which is what we're talking, which is what's in the end of age that exposed himself. He's the only one besides Adrian Veidt. 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 I've never. Uh, it's the HBO show pronounces it Veidt. Veidt. I've always said Veidt, but I believe it's Veidt. V e i d t. I don't know if you pronounce the D like if it's Veidt. soft like Veidt or if it's hard like Veidt. Huh. I bet I, I could probably find out like the origin of the name and then like the proper like uh, heritage and how they how they would say it in their language. But either way, it's also a neat thing as we go on that we know Rorschach as Rorschach. Right, and that's it. Yep. Every time we meet someone new in mm-hmm. this issue, we, with the exception of Dr. Manhattan, because he's, you know. Yeah. Even then, she calls him yeah. John. Yeah. We learn their names first. Uh, human and hero. Yep. Yeah, we get them both. Uh, with Edward Blake and the comedian, now with, he says, hello, Daniel, and then, you know, they go down to the lair, and they, we immediately find out he's Night Owl. But we learn the human name first. Right. Which is... Right. Daniel think, Hollis, as well, he calls him... I think the yep. very first panel of their little interaction is something about Hollis. Um, that, yeah, I never noticed that. That's really excellent. Uh, but they go downstairs, and he's like, right down this way, we haven't been here in a while, and Rorschach points out yeah neither of you <laughs> dust everywhere yeah like why is it so filthy here um i come down here to think sometimes yeah 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 what does he say no point in coming down since i'm retired and then he tries to bring up the comedian and he does what we see it could have been anyone the comedian had and every the cop said it dan says it john or yeah. sally says it he's been active for 40 years yeah. he would have who knows how many enemies at he that point. was active as a masked vigilante and as a uh a government like op yeah he was like in south america toppling marxist regimes oh yeah that's what it points out and they're just, he's like oh come on and then he's like uh you know this could be a political killing maybe or maybe someone's picking off costume heroes and he goes do you think that's paranoid and he's like oh is that what they're saying about me now that i'm paranoid <laughs> but he never again they don't use exclamation points they don't use dashes for spacing they don't use any sort of separation in a sentence they're just like oh really is that what they're saying now that I'm paranoid? And then he just continues on. Like, no thought to what that means. He just talks. Dude's a dirtbag. I'm yeah. just kidding. I love him. But um, but for my own reason. And I also think, uh, I, I don't think it's done that yet in the book. Every time you see his mask, he's, he's called Rorschach for a reason. It, it yeah, changes. It, changes, it yeah. changes. But this one gives you three back-to-back panels of him talking. And in each one, they're different. And if you notice... You'll see those patterns again later in the drawings. So, oh. pretty cool uh, art that they use for that. I really like it. Uh, and he basically insinuates. Uh, no, he doesn't. So, no, he even says it just an observation, like, "Oh, uh, Hollis Mason wrote that book, huh? Said some stuff about the comedian, some 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 derogatory terms." Which, Hollis is just an old man. He yeah. couldn't have done that. Yeah, what are you talking... He gets super offended. Like, as if I said your mom was a whore. He's like, what? What do you mean? And, well, and, and, and Warshak even says it's that, implying nothing. Just an observation. And I believe that that was just an observation. For oh, him. yeah. I think he said that just inquisitory to get the reaction out of Daniel. Because he, he he's not giving up on this mass killer guy. I don't think he wavered on that for a second. I think that was literally just him saying that so Dan would react. And he points out before he leaves that they used to be partners, 
So he's familiar enough with uh, Daniel to know how to play him, especially since, yeah. like, one has no emotion. The other is very emotional. A bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Call him, call him when he has the dudes crying in every panel. <laughs> Look at him when he leaves. So so he the the one thing to say about Rorschach, I guess, is that he cares. Because he is just going around to warn people. That's his whole mission. Like, there's something there. He's not trying to solve it himself. And he's also not trying to team up with any of these guys. He's literally just like, hey, don't die. Catch you later. But Dan does uh, make a point where he's like, man... We used to be partners. What happened to those times? He was like, you quit? Yeah. You quit. That was another thing the movie did. You quit. Like, I'm mad at you, you piece of shit. Don't work no, for me. You quit. Yeah, the movie made it seem like they were trying to team up. Nope, Rorschach's just popping. And the other thing, again, body language is important. Shoulders are always sitting back. Hands are always in his jacket. Walks at a steady pace. He's literally just on his Sunday stroll. And he leaves. Um, and Hollis Mason, or I mean Hollis, Dan <laughs> Breaks down with the button, takes his glasses off next to... I think it's really nice that they put it directly next to his old costume. It's like, yeah, this guy's, you know... The costume's standing up, firm, at attention. The man is sitting there slouched over like a bitch. <laughs> like a bitch. I can't stand Night Owl, and the movie made me hate him more. He's my least favorite character. I did not life. realize that the actor that played him in the movie is the same dude in uh those... Insidious. Insidious. And the Conjuring. And the Conjuring. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's that dude. He's an awesome actor, yeah. too. He went from playing little night owl bitch to, oh my god, this crazy possessed guy. He's also in like two rom-coms that Franny loves that <laughs> when she was watching, I was like, oh, fucking look at this night owl. Look at this guy. He got range. Yeah. The man's got ra- He He is actually a really good actor. I like him a lot. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure he won an award for um, Insidious. I would believe that for like without best a uh, best horror actor or whatever he's a, well so that's one of my, one of the things I always talk about uh, with the movies and we've touched on it with Rorschach is that it made all these characters more I mean I don't know how you can but it made him more extreme and in that for Night Owl it both made him more a bitch and more awesome that's like, true he kicks some serious ass and he also cries more than anyone yeah like it, <laughs> they really went both ways with it and i'm crygasming <laughs> he was at one point when she wouldn't do him it was weird but so now we get a pretty direct transition into what rorschach's really about so he he does another journal post he has to so every time it says rorschach's journal he's actually and it shows it every time He's writing down his thoughts and what's going on in his investigations um, for himself, for someone else, whatever. He's always got note of it, and it's always really just freaking messed up. He puts the time in. Like this one's where he's talked about landlady complaining about smell. She has five children by five different fathers. I am sure she cheats on welfare. And then he just moves into soon it will be dark. <laughs> All in the same thing. Like, what, why, why is that in your journal? Which is one thing I'm... I, is why sequels don't work on this. Rorschach could write all this shit. They have the whole journal. You're really going to read the last page and be like, yeah, no, this guy knew this is real. <laughs> this guy clearly had to investigate all this properly. Aside from all the racist, <laughs> uh, sexist, homophobic, aggressive, violent, paranoid text that fills 99% of this. Oh, but yeah, Adrian's bad. We take the whole book. I think when we get to the show, the way that 
fair version of the universe addresses it, I think that's probably the most realistic way. I'm going to watch the show. I'm very excited, but I'm going to save it for the cast. Yeah. I'm going to hold out at this point for the cast. Okay, yeah. Um, so he goes through and he talks about uh, comedian died, people know. I'm going to find out why, is basically what he says. And he immediately goes to a bar where the fat barkeep is like, Oh, mother... Rorschach? Oh, no! He's terrified. He's shaking in his little space boots. He's like, please don't kill anyone. He's like... So he tries to be cool and, like, smiling and saying it's fine. And then he just goes, Oh, God, please don't kill anyone. And then immediately a guy makes a quip about him. And he's like, Oh, yeah, you hear that? This guy's got friends. He changes deodorant. And I, this is like my favorite thing. He's just, uh, he, the, the bartender's just like, oh, I got to take a leak <laughs> and just decides to leave because he knows he's better off not in that room than he is in it. This also shows how unhinged Rorschach <laughs> is. Yeah, this is happened- a joke. I mean, so A, don't make a joke with Rorschach, but B, yeah, this tool bag makes this joke. So he walks over, grabs his hand. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm new to the area. Snaps his pinky instantly, just snaps it and just says out loud, you know, uh, I've just broken this gentleman's... Li- oh, I actually... Yeah, he says, I've just broken this gentleman's little finger. Who killed Edward Blake? Nobody responds. And his index finger. Who killed Edward Blake? And then the people pipe up, you know, please leave him alone. So he decides to, to call it a day. And I freaking love this. First visit of evening fruitness. Fruitless. Nobody knew anything. Feeling slightly depressed. This, <laughs> And then it's him going, Herm. <laughs> the city is dying of rabies is the best I can do to wipe random flecks of foam from its lips. Like, you feel feel slightly depressed is actually, like, a really emotional, like, progress for him. <laughs> but the fact that he doesn't address it and just moves on, and he goes, like, I leave human cockroaches to discuss their heroin and child pornography. I have business elsewhere with a better class of person. That's important for two reasons. <laughs> he does believe Ozymandias is a better class of person. <laughs> But the way he goes about addressing him. <laughs> I know, he's a dick to him. For, so he, he's obviously terrible to everyone around him. But he actually says, you know, I'm go, I have business with a better class of person. Immediately shows up, tells him that he's dead. And then he's like, the comedian dead, but why? You were always supposed to be the world's smartest man, but you tell me. He's like, all right, that's kind of a dick thing to say, <laughs> but sure. Um, and as he goes on, he... Oh, this is good. But he starts calling him out. So so Veidt's whole thing, which you get a glimpse of here and it goes on to later. He left the uh, uh, pr- the masked vigilante world two years before the act, so in 75, and went public. He gave out his name, gave out his brand, created an empire, sold merchandise, uh, uh, has scientific research done under him, trying to help. I think his big thing is like re- uh, uh, reusable energy, if I remember correctly from later in the book. So they call that all out. Ozymandias. Ozymandias. King of kings. Uh, but that this is where it like, implies, and it even shows you in a lot of the background art. That's why I take a really long time reading comics. Like I read that, and then I just stare at this for a good like 20 seconds. But yeah, it shows him. He's all over his office. The dude's obviously a little egotistical. Action um, figures. Yeah, uh, pens and, and paperweights and staplers and all this stupid stuff. And he's... The so it says it there you're supposed to be the smartest man in the world and later it also calls him like the strongest man in the world or something stupid. Veidt's whole thing when he was a superhero was that he was the strongest, fastest, smartest man in the world. That was just like his thing. <laughs> Superman, but without a superpower, just actually that. So Batman's closer, but he's supposed to be the Superman. Um, 
And Vite says the he says you got a mass killer, and Vite says the same things. Could have been the Soviets, maybe. He has a yeah. different person to blame. Probably. And he's like, no, I can't. Rorschach's like, no, I don't believe it. Dreiberg said the same thing. Uh, America has Doctor Manhattan's Doctor Manhattan. Oh yeah, the Soviets wouldn't even fuck with us. Yeah, why would they even think about it? Look at what we've got. Um, which is a fair point, actually. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. he is. I mean, after what happened, in, we'll learn about Vietnam later. Yeah, but he's the nuclear deterrent, quite literally. So it makes sense. Um, but this is where Vike calls out. He had plenty of other enemies. Like just just the Russians is is all I'm talking about. He he knew a lot, but. This is really important. He says the man was practically a Nazi, and this is so oh, goddamn fucking relevant today. It's not even funny. Okay, it's not a political podcast. Okay, we're not talking politics here, but let me just read. It's this. gonna. It's hard not to talk about right? politics with fucking Rorschach. This is really important. So, so Vite calls him a Nazi. Which, to be fair, the more we learn about the comedian, yeah, it's kind of but. Yeah. And 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 uh, for some reason, Rorschach idolized him, and he goes, he stood up for his country, Vite. He never let anybody retire him. Never cashed in on his reputation. Little dig at Adrian. <laughs> never set up a company selling posters and diet books and toy soldiers based on himself. Never became a prostitute. If that's what makes him a Nazi, you might as well call me a Nazi, too. The only thing he t- touts him up for is that he fought for his country, his nationalism. And the only thing he did was did was break down Vite for being successful. And then he's like, yeah, if you want to call me a Nazi, do it. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, you know what? You're, you, yeah, if, if you, shoe fits. Yeah, if you want me to think about it, you're kind of a, a Nazi, Nazi too. Yeah. You're super self-righteous. You're willing to kill and hurt and injure anyone that disagrees with you. You have one answer. There is no compromise. He even says it. Uh, actually, that might be the next conversation he has. No, it's, it's a little bit later. Yep. Uh, this is the one... So he says, uh, you know, Adrian stands up for himself. Nobody made me do this. I chose to do this before the Keen Act. I'm a self-made man, yada, yada. And he's like, all right, well, I just wanted to let you know, uh, warn you about the mass killer so you don't end up the smartest man in the morgue. <laughs> just taking pot shots. Just pot shots at him, at one after another. Which is fair, because Andy Mandeus is a bit of a prick uh, oh, yeah. throughout the book. He, he's kind of a tool. So he's justified in doing this. But this is the only time we get the Doomsday stuff. It's on the newspaper on his desk. Oh, So I don't know if you saw that when I had the... I was holding the issue upside down. I was so, like... I I was just... So on the desk, it's covered in action figures. What drew my eye. It's got three action figures. It's got two open boxes. It has a pen holder with his emblem on it. Everything's gold and purple because that's his style. But... On the newspaper on his desk, it says nuclear doomsday clock stands at 5 to 12, Warren experts. Isn't our current doomsday clock at like 11.30 or some shit? Oh, I'd have to check. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's not good. But anyways, that's the only, in this issue, that's the only nod we get about where, because the whole book is about that. I mean, every issue you get the the blood drips down farther on the back of the, oh, you didn't know that actually, probably. No. So the end of every issue, um, you see a clock. Oh, and at the end of every issue, the clock hands move, and at the end of every issue, blood drips down the back. And in in the individual issues, it's freaking awesome. Again, this trade I have, I'm super happy I own. Oh yeah, it's really has good. all that too. So it's it's one of the old ones. But anyways, Rorschach goes back to his journal. Yep, I like how he just addresses uh, Adrian in this. He's like calling, him, like saying he's like, oh, what. what where where where's the actual words? I know <laughs> liberal comes up and 
So he says maybe a homosexual. I'll, I'll just—it's a. This one's probably the easiest because he and he also calls out Dryberg. Meeting with Vite left bad taste in mouth. He is pampered and decadent, betraying even his own shallow liberal affections. Possibly homosexual. Must remember to investigate further. <laughs> now, oh. while I'm sure that just means that he wants to investigate Adrian for being so pompous, poor timing, Rochelle. Yeah. A little bit of poor it's timing. It's like, uh, don't, if you're going to say, oh, I might as well be a Nazi, but, and then you follow up with that. But also, throughout the whole book, he is calling out whores, adulterers, murder. Like, he obviously Herbers, has... Pornographers. Her, yeah. It's always some sort of, like, sexual Letchers. aggression towards anything. It's not crazy to think that that would turn him off and make him come after Adrian in oh, some yeah. fashion. This dude is sexually repressed. <laughs> and it, to say the least. Which, when you find out his backstory, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, yeah, his, uh, we'll get there. So, yeah, he's talk shit. Dryberg is bad. A flabby failure who sends whimpering in his basement literally what he was doing so that's actually spot on okay if we're being honest um okay oh but this is where i was talking about he tells you every single hero from the minutemen to the watch oh yeah this one this one was good so he we've already talked about adrian we've already talked about um daniel uh, night owl and ozymandias respect or not respectively in the inverse so he says, why are so few of us left acti- active, healthy, and without personality disorders? That's what you were talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh Which he God. is healthy and active. He ate a can of beans. But the dude obviously has antisocial personality disorder. Like, Right. We get a lot more of all these heroes in Under the Red Hood and in future issues. So that's why I'm going to read all these really important ones. This is all his words. I'm just going to read the text so you know where everyone is. The first night owl runs an auto repair shop. Hollis Mason, we've already met him. The first Silk Spectre is a bloated aging whore dying in a Californian rest resort. First off, not a whore. Kind of harsh. Yeah. Second off, that's um, uh, Jupiter, Sally Jupiter's mom. Um, she was on the Minutemen, not the Watchmen. Captain Metropolis was decapitated in a car crash back in 74. Also watch, uh, Minutemen, not Watchmen. Mothman is in an asylum up in Maine. Minuteman. The Silhouette retired in disgrace, murdered six weeks later by a minor adversary seeking revenge. Minutemen. Dollar Bill got shot. Hooded Justice went missing. Both of those Minutemen. Hooded Justice is really important. I didn't... So, Hooded Justice went missing in 55. People are saying in the show, the black guy in the wheelchair, they're saying... Oh, oh, oh. They're saying, I haven't seen the show. I can't elaborate. I just want to talk about it. Just there you go. Moving on. Uh, and the final one is the most important one. The comedian is dead. Only two names remaining on my list. Both share private quarters at Rockefeller Military Research Center. I shall go to them. I shall go tell the indestructible man that someone plans to murder him. That's awesome because this is not... So, of all the crazy shit he's been spewing, and it is all crazy, there is a lot of truth in what he says, and Alan Moore did that on purpose. This is one of them. Someone did plan to kill Dr. Manhattan. Ozymandias tries that in the last issue. We'll get to that. (laughs) I, I was really, I don't know why it's like, it feels like I'm piecing stuff together again. Every time you read this book, there's something new. So it's really cool to read it with someone else. But anyways, he yeah. knows Dr. Manhattan's untouchable, and yet he still has to warn him. Just whatever in Rorschach has that going, has to warn him. And before he even walks in, Dr. Manhattan, good evening, Rorschach. But like, yeah, the purpose why I wanted to start with this is because I started watching the show, I wanted to re-familiarize myself with the source content mm-hmm. so I, like... I wouldn't have, like, put it together uh, that, you know, 
that character that you just said, which I won't say because it could be spoilerish. Right. Could be the hooded justice. Hooded justice. Right. It it. The show, from what I've heard, has done a good job of respecting the history, and I and I appreciate that. So this is where you get another. Di- the difference in the movie is there'd be a lot more blue dong in this. Yes, you do get penis in the scene because you have to in a movie, but you don't see it yet in the issues. Mm. You get it later, trust me. And it's way smaller in the comic. I don't know why they made it so big and floppy in the movie. <laughs> Honest to God. So it's like it's like that, um, what's the really famous uh, uh, diagram of the dude with the arms like oh, this? Oh, uh, the, uh, um, the fin... fin, 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 fin oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I don't know what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's by Da Vinci. Yep. The Ven... Vince... Vincini? Uh, I don't know why that came to Wait, is it the centrifugal man? Why am I thinking Ven? I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyways, that guy, not a big wiener. The the All the sculptures in Rome, albeit those are white Roman dudes, so we don't have the biggest wieners, but it's not a big wiener. Why did we... Dr. Manhattan, who is supposed to be just the human form, not a race or nothing like that, why did the movie give him such a big floppy wiener? Oh. Makes people like me feel real bad about our not big floppy <laughs> blue wieners. Okay? Yeah. I color it all the time. It doesn't stay. <laughs> yeah, I just dip mine in blue paint, what if but you got it washes your, off. What if you got your dick tattooed blue? <laughs> like, so I have the hydrogen atom on my, on my hand. I love Watchmen. I plan on getting a full, like, glove of Watchmen, I think would be really tight. What, it, what, what the only logical step forward is to tattoo <laughs> to my, my dick, dick blue. blue yeah. That would be incredible. <laughs> oh, then she, you just drop your pants. Guess what my favorite yeah. comic is? Yeah, <laughs> she just blew me so good. I could I Tobias Funke myself. It'd be great. I'm interested. But point is, I think I think this is this is an incredible scene. Um, with the basics of it again, Rorschach trying to warn people. Sally Jupiter is immediately upset that he's there, and her name is actually Sally Jupesic? Uh, Jupesic? Jupesic? Uh, and she points out that, and this is fair, her mom just picked Jupiter because she didn't want people to know she was Polish. I assume their family came to the U.S. slash was in the U.S. Uh, if she was a watchman in the 70s, the Minutemen, I think were in the 50s or 60s. It talks about it in Under yeah. the Hood. Of... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think, 55 it said that the... Yeah. No, no, that's when you said the Hood of Justice disappeared. 55 he disappeared, so they were before that. So, yeah. the, so the Minutemen were in the 50s when Sally was there, uh, 40s to 50s. It yeah. would make sense for her to not want to be Polish around Nazi post-Nazi Germany. If you uh, remember the sitcom um, uh, All in the Family with Archie yeah. Bunker, yeah. like he says plenty of racist stuff oh, towards God, yeah. uh, Polish people, and they're all, you know, all the... Uh, stupid Polish person jokes, mm-hmm. like you know the the screen door on a submarine, all that stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad show, but but we love it because history. You got to respect history. You got to acknowledge history. You don't got to respect well, it. The, the show was about how he was an awful person. That's true, but and it was directed by people took yeah. it the wrong yeah. way. It was directed by Rob Reiner, who was was it directed? I know he starred in it and he oh. became a big director later on. But he played the son-in-law, and in real life, yeah, he's pretty sure he's Jewish. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, so. Famous guy in Hollywood? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my Mel Gibson kicked in a little bit. I'll, I'll roll it back. Uh, so anyway, she's 
distressed and she's like, you know, this is a government base and you're wanted by the police. First off, Rorschach is obviously so good at what he does. He got into a secure military base without being seen. Again, yeah, shows in the, the comic, he literally just walks in. Actually, there's a helmet on the ground, so he probably did something less than... Yeah, he definitely broke the fence there. And yeah, yeah, he did. De- oh, that's not a helmet. That's a building? Okay, that's a building. He definitely broke the fence. And he literally strolls in. There's like a little bit of uh, maybe a covert ops, but yep. he's just walking, punches through glass to open the door. Not one. The movie had him like, what? And you're no, you're not James Bond. But anyways, walks right in, tells him, and this is uh, the most important piece of dialogue that shows that Dr. Manhattan's also not a good person. People, you know, it's very easy to call out Rorschach for being fascist. Is it better to be completely numb? Yes or no? So anyways, um, he tells him about it. The comedian's dead. And uh, Dr. Manhattan, who we haven't known his name is John yet. But anyways, John is like, yeah, I know. I'm a government employee. Yeah, they, they told me. They told me about it oh, yesterday. I know when my coworkers die. Yeah, come on. And he is like, I have my own theories. Take it. You're not too concerned about Blake's death. This is the important dialogue. Yeah, because one. full Neil deGrasse Tyson. He goes, full, yeah, that came first. Uh, a live body and a dead body contain the same number of particles. Structurally, structurally, there's no discernible difference. Life and death are unquantifiable abstracts. Why should I be concerned? <laughs> he, this is, I loved the guy they picked for the voice for this, Billy, whatever the hell. He, he sounded exactly like I read this. Not cold and dead like Rorschach. Cold and aware. He knows the gravity. He just doesn't care. He just... He, he's broken apart. He's all... Which is, again, important later. All you've seen on him so far? A scowl. Just a little... Not a scowl. Sorry, that's not the right word. Uh, What would you call that? A frown. It's, it's kind of a frown, right? It's just like a... Mm. Yeah, it's just like a... It's what happens when you are, your fest is your face is purely resting. Because even keeping like your you know your eyes open, all that you know, that takes energy and muscles. But when you're sitting there, you're home alone, you're watching TV, and your face is just pure. That's what his face is ninety percent of the time when we see him in this. That doesn't mean that he doesn't show emotion from no, time to it time. It just means well, so that's what I was getting yeah. to. It just means he's sure of himself. Yeah, he he's not trying to put on anything. So they have a discussion, and this is where Sally calls out, like, ah, she basically says good. She basically says good. Uh, Blake was a bastard. He was a monster. You know he tried to tried to rape my mother back when they were both Minutemen. This is where the fucked up thing gets said. Oh, oh yeah. This. So you support the allegations made in Holland Mason's book concerning Blake, Rorschach says. Uh, what, the Mason said no, the Red Hood is what happened. God knows I'm not my mother's biggest admirer, but something shouldn't happen to anybody. Why do you think Blank never sued Mason? And then Rorschach, oh my god, he's, oh, he's, oh. he's eating something again. In yeah, there. He's, he's like, it's like a mint piece or something. Of candy. Yeah. And it shows crunching and he goes, I'm not here to speculate on the moral lapses of men who died in their country's service. I came to work. And Julia, or Julie, Sally obviously freaks out. Moral lapses? She's pissed off. Of course she's pissed off. You know, if you're in the military and you rape someone, you go to jail. Yeah. They're not like, oh, you're serving your country. You get a free pass. No. Actually, you get tried by two laws. The UCMJ, which is only the military, and civilian law. 
And if you're in another country when you do it, you get tr you get tried by them too. Jeez. Yeah. Well, unless you decide to commit some murders at the same time, and then Trump will pardon you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Topical. Mm -hmm. Not a political podcast. You can't talk about Watchmen without me. I know. Uh, and then she freaks out on him. Rape is a moral lapse. You know he broke her ribs. He almost choked her. And then she's like, John, get this creep out of here. Uh, Lori. I keep calling her Sally. Sally is her mom. Yeah. She's Lori. Lori. I keep messing that up. So he goes, you seem to be upsetting Lori. I think you ought to go. And he's... Uh, also important, with respect, Dr. Manhattan, the dude's obviously pretty sexist. He only respects, like, a man's authority, and that's kind of fucked up, but also not surprising. I mean, he did just apologize for rape the last yeah, two panels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he goes, you know, I believe someone's eliminating mass ventures, you know, yada yada. And he's like, you ought to go. This is another part where the movie went a little weird, but um, spent a lot of time getting to getting in to see you, not leaving before I teleport out, had my say. Looks at himself, hands in pockets, Herm, and mm. walks out. Herm. This is what I was talking about for the emotion. So the next panel is John, you know, solved all the problems. He's gone. Are you still upset? Yeah, she's yeah. probably still upset. She's a person. He's not. That's the problem. So she immediately thinks, you know, I, I interpret this as her, like, thinking she can try to get under his skin. Uh, so she calls out how Rorschach's messed up. He's sick inside his mind. Don't like the way he smells. Don't like his horrible monotone voice or anything. Oh, yeah. I love that. She calls him out on all his bullshit. Yeah, she's including just... the, like, it goes back to when the landlady complained about uh, the noise, the, the smell. Yeah, oh, the smell. Right, 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 right. Like, oh, she's on welfare. And like, no, motherfucker, you need to put on some deodorant and take a shower. I mean, so he's homeless. Um, and we find out later where he keeps his suit and stuff. He's homeless. And he is always, he only has one outfit. Ever. I mean, that's not something I'm making up. That's known in this, like, universe thing. I mean, even though he looks dapper and cool as hell, that's it. The dude's probably a pig pen. But she tries to get under his skin. Um, she asks him, you know, hey, John. Uh, she's like, I want to get out of here. I'm cooped up. How about I go see Dan? He's like, yeah, that's fine. It, you s Not to get... You know, relationship. Oh, also, it's worth noting, Dr. Manhattan's hand is in, in a machine just phased oh, yeah. through. I don't know if you were, like, looking at that when you read this, but um, it just shows his cool kind of powers. Because so far, you haven't seen any of his powers besides the teleportation he did to Rorschach a minute ago, right there. Otherwise, it's just kind of flashing lights and stuff. His hand is inside a piece of metal. Anyways. Oh, it's this upcoming panel that I like. Because he's talking about all this scientific stuff he's doing. He's like... About to discover a Glino for the super symmetrical theory of whatever. And start it into the bestiary. And she's just going on about, oh, I'll, go out, I'll go out with Dan and blah, blah, You've blah. Seen blah. Him and he's just smiling because he's like, I got the Glino. So that's the super important part. She's trying to make him jealous, obviously not working. She wants a rise out of him, that's not working. So she walks out and calls Dan like in secret, yada, yada. Meanwhile... The only thing in life that gives him any sort of anything is knowledge. And Doomsday Clock touches on that when we get to that later. It, that, I thought, was awesome. The only time he does anything other than be like, you're annoying me, is when he's on, like, a breakthrough. And that's really cool. It's like an Elon Musk thing to do. I'm not saying Elon Musk is Dr. Man. I'm just saying if he was, wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. That's I mean, what I'm saying. So she's like, all right, well, you know what? I called Dan... Raphael's at 9.30, I'll see him, I'm going to see him, have a good day, and he's just smiling like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll see you. Yeah, live your best life, I don't care. Rorschach's walking through and he writes in his journal yet again, which is 
you know, pretty standard. Oh, we only have two more issues, or two more uh, pages. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's talking about how Friday night a comedian died in New York. Someone threw him out a window. Nobody cares. Nobody cares but me. Soon there will be war. Millions will burn. Millions will perish in sickness and misery. Why does one death matter against so many? Because there is good and there is evil. This is what I was talking about. There's good and there is evil, and evil must be punished. Even in the face of Armageddon, I shall not compromise in this. That's all he cares about. The dude, despite having the worst morals ever, he's like, yeah, but they're my morals. Hmm. I'm going to stick to them. He, he, had a, he had a Seymour Skinner moment where he's like, hmm, could I be wrong about this? No, no, it's the children yeah. that are wrong. Yeah, no, I'm not wrong. <laughs> and he even says there are so many deserving of retribution and there's so little time. Like, he's the only one who can do it. And again, Alan Moore, it's so hard to not talk about the whole book because we know it. Alan Moore gave you the entire plot to the book in Rorschach's dialogue. Rorschach is right about everything. And that's not cool. No, no. Like, it's messed up when you're reading it, but it's what it is. Oh, it's messed Anyways... They, uh, uh, I almost called her Sally again. Lori and Dan meet at a dinner, and it's just reminiscing like him and Hollis. And this is why it's my favorite thing. You get that sort of those little passive-aggressive uh, comments that every relation, every uh, couple in a committed relationship has, where she, he's like, oh, is things going bad? She's like, no, things are going fine. I mean, sure, I'm only kept around to make John happy, but everything's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Like, she's aware that for the, she even says for the last eight years, she has literally just been there so John is happy so he can keep doing awesome science, Dr. Manhattan, dope-ass work. And then ten years, the ten years before that, she was running around in, oh, yep. in a superhero costume just because her mother wanted to, her to do that. And they point out how, oh, wait, we can do the math now. She says she's 35. Right. So. Eight years. Eight years, so she 23. was. Uh, no. No, 27. Oh, when, when she, uh, so this is 85. So eight years ago was 77, the Keen Act, so where she was 27. And then 10 so years, 10 years 17, 17. 67 is when she started her vigilanteism. And that was after she picked it up from her mother. So yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. So now we have a timeline. Yeah. Um, and so lots of little snide remarks like that. Dan literally always has the most fucking pathetic look on his face I've ever seen. Please have um, petty sex with me. Yeah, but they call out how... Pity, not petty. Well, it could be petty, too. pretty petty pity sex. Well, he would be full of pity. She would be doing it out to be petty. And she'd be super pretty. It was yeah. pretty petty pity sex. Yeah. Well, sometimes you gotta do a bitter batter, alright? <laughs> Let's get at her. But she calls out how ridiculous, like, women's costumes are in superhero. This was a little snide remark, like, with that stupid little short skirt and that neckline going down into my navel. Like, oh god have yes. you ever Dreadful. seen what these ladies look like it's hot but it's inappropriate oh yeah this is my favorite reminiscing moment ever <laughs> they're talking about the supervillain who uh captain carnage he would get he would get beat up just because it was his you know it was, yeah, his, he, it was his kink it was literally like um and they're talking about it you know she had it happen to him he punched the hell out of her and he was breathing heavy and she was just oh. wondering does he have asthma before you finish it it's just no he was a villain because if you practice bdsm it requires consent. Right. And he didn't have their consent, and that's why he's the bad guy. Yeah, of course. I'm sure that was the intent by Alan Moore. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, wizard. And yeah, of course. He could see this all in the future. And he, J J uh, Dan's like, yeah, he tried that with me, only uh, I'd heard about it, so I walked away. And she's like, oh, man, what happened? Oh, yeah, he kept following me down the street, broad daylight, right? He's saying, punish me. I'm saying, no, get lost. 
She was like, oh, whatever happened to him? Well, he pulled what he pulled it on Rorschach, and Rorschach dropped him down an elevator shaft. Like, yeah, that's exactly what Rorschach would do. There's no punching you into the jail cell. You're dead. Oh, this is awful. We shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then they laugh it out, and they're just like, oh, it's so funny, isn't it? Uh, I guess it, it, it's not. Oh, I'm sorry. That isn't funny. Uh, I guess it's not. And then, again, I'm going to show you the reason why uh, what Alan Moore did is really good. So that felt good. There doesn't seem to be many laughs around the world these days. And he says, well, what do you expect? The very final panel, a big three, you know, because it's a nine-panel grid, a big third of it is the comedian is dead. Alan Moore does this in every issue, I believe. The final issue of the book directly mirrors the first issue. Button, button. You're zooming out to the oh, top you of the page. building. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Page. Ooh, button, button, button. Zooming out, zooming out, zooming out, you're on top. Ooh, that's nice. It is identical to the front page, and the overall sentiment's the same. The comedian's dead, the comedian's dead. He, what can't he do? He, what, what, can, what can he do? Get He's, the rights back to Watchmen? Oh, don't, too soon. <laughs> too soon, buddy. Uh, but, so yeah, that's the first issue of Watchmen. You get every person introduced, including all the old characters. You get human dialogue. You get personalities laid out. You get world building and timeline set in 26 pages. Yeah, that's actually really, very well done. He's a master. Uh, but I think pro- probably the most important thing... I think we'll do all uh, like Under the Red Hood as it pertains to the issue. So like on this one, for example, really the only things they bring up is they tell a super sad story. Oh yeah, that was depressing. Um, just to set up that the rest of the book is something to look forward to um (laughs) the story's messed up it's about a guy who kills himself because his wife cheats on him it's really sad but it helps set up the superhero dynamic in general um about how the reason superheroes happened in this world is because they weren't available in books and people sought them out so it talks about action that's the cool thing about this and actually later you see them on the 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 newsstand he talks about how Action Comics came out and it gave people a hero to look forward to. And as it went out of print and as people forgot about it, what was there? And for him, the very first, the reason why I called his book this, for multiple reasons, obviously, Under the Hood is, hey, I'm Night Owl, but also... He's a mechanic. Also, he's a mechanic. And also, uh, the very first uh, superhero that happened in that universe, the very first vigilante, was uh, Matt, what was it? Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice. Um, Who was a guy who swooped down on criminals, beat the shit out of them, and saved the day, and it inspired the Watchmen. Um, That's probably the most important part of the first excerpt of Under the Hood. Um, I I think it's wonderful. I think as a book, I'd read it itself if Alan Moore decided to write it. It was actually really well written for like... um, Three, four, six page, six yeah, page. An excerpt, what's supposed to be an excerpt of a novel. Yeah, it, 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 he, it's almost as if he wrote the entire novel and then let them take the pages to put into the into the book. Um, I do like that it makes reference to Superman and Clark Kent. Yep, talk calls calls out them and 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 how. Uh, what was that? One? What was that little part about? Like uh, how strong he was and how like. Uh, a symbol of hope in how he was, uh, like, the ideal person. Yeah, and, like, uh, he was talking about how his uh, grandfather's sense of morality and 
this gave everyone like something to look f- look towards right. for like a decent way to live right. and whatnot. He even breaks it down though, which I thought was great. So you could do this so easily, but he even points out how his grandfather resented his father for moving them to the city because the country is the way to live. We are strong moral fi- we have strong moral fibers. We're, we're outstanding characters. And he's like, it wasn't until I was older that I saw the alcoholism, the abuse, the drugs that happened in these suburbs, in these country towns. Because those people aren't any better, they're masked from view. And how going to the city and seeing how messed up it was in the dense population, you know, he could do something to fix it. Um, And he was a cop. That was actually something I didn't know. Because I've read this before, and I don't know how... I've skipped over a lot of the under the under the hood stuff. I didn't know he was a cop before he was a vigilante. Obviously, that makes sense, but I had no idea. Um, I knew his father was a mechanic, and I knew uh, you know that kind of stuff. But I thought that was a nice nod. And everything in this book is referential to something. It's super meta, but um, so meta, so meta, oh, so, meta. so meta. But I don't know. Uh, first issue was stronger than I remember. Oh yeah, it's a very good introduction. Stronger than I remember. Like, um, it takes you in, and you want to read more after that. Yeah, it. It. I also enjoy that it hasn't. Obviously, it has hasn't hid anything from you. It. The only mystery. The only mystery because this is a noir novel. The only mystery is that someone was murdered. Yep. A lot of these books like to set up characters that they'll surprise you with. They like to set up twists and all that good stuff. And while this book obviously has plenty of them, it doesn't hide them from you at first. It lets you try to think of what's going to happen. It lets you try to speculate, meanwhile giving you all the pieces. Plus, I like the fact that, yeah, you just said it. All the pieces are on the board right Right. now. Right. People who, and uh, Grant Morrison judge this for it and i kind of agree with him a little bit about um you know uh his his, his specific words that i latched onto is alamore never lets the characters be smarter than him but that's not the point a lot of creators and writers try to be smarter than the readers aha at that end there i kept that in the shadows the whole time alamore's like no it's right there <laughs> it's right there oh yeah and we'll get to it and you'll take your time and you'll love it along the way i just Watchmen, maybe. I just love it. Actually, in fact, if without like giving it away, just from words that you have said about characters and how scenes are set up, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense because blah would do blah to blah, and then yeah, because right. blah is blah. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, makes sense. Uh, sort of. So I think based off of an hour and a half. Uh, we can probably just do one issue. Yep. Perhaps so. There's definitely enough. Some of them are even better. The issue where Manhattan just talks his way through his own timeline is one of my favorite things to ever happen. Um, so that's what we'll do it. And uh, they'll come out weekly. I think uh, we can probably do a weekly schedule. And if we, we have Thanksgiving coming up, so we can yep. do a block day of doing two or three. You know, We can plan this right. And like uh, every other week, we can... Do it, like, right before Cthulhu. We have options to keep this consistent for the people, people. on top of shutdown being just a free-for-all. Oh, that's true. So yeah. we, we've got options. I'm very excited about it uh, uh, for, for continued Watchmen adventures 
specifically I'm the most excited for before Watchmen because of how much I hate it. <laughs> I love anything Watchmen related. Doomsday. I love the movie. I'm excited about the show. Fuck before Watchmen. Ooh, I'm I'm excited about doing the show together because from what I've seen so far, it's really good, and I'm like, I'm glad it's in the Squidverse. My friend, actually, and this is gonna be my call to arms. I'm gonna recommend this to my buddy Mike Fogarty. He is probably knows the most about Watchmen of anyone I know. Patrick definitely being up there as well, but I've had some conversations with Mike where I'm like, holy shit, yes, you know a lot of it. Um, Anything I said wrong, let me know at work. I'll correct it. But also, with that sort of little note, he loves the show. He's like, this show's incredible. and good. He's super critical of everything Watchmen, and he loves this book more than anything, and he's an endorser of the show, so I'm hyped. I was scared. I was nervous. I raged, I think, on a podcast about it when they announced it. I'm su- It's pure energy. Super excitement from here on out. Oh, so here's a question. Since this will be like <coughs> a long like uh, series that we're doing, right? are we ever going to like have a guest on? I don't... Yes. I'm totally into that. Cool. Um, <clears throat> the movie would be really easy to do a guest for. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, any of the trades for Before Watching would be super easy to do that. And once we get into the show... That would be easy too. Um, I'm 100% on board with that. Awesome. That'd be really fun. Um, so yeah, listen to the podcast, enjoy it, read Watchmen, watch Watchmen, read other Watchmen, watch other Watchmen. That's I love this book more than anything in the world. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, otherwise, got any final thoughts? Issue. Uh, Give you know what I'm gonna ask. Ten out, out of ten. Ooh, for for issue number one, I won't hold no judgment. I am going to give it a solid 9 out of 10 because I know there are going to be bigger points of the story. Yeah. But overall, the purpose of issue one is to introduce the people to the world, introduce the major characters, give some world building, the theme. and hook people. Yeah, the theme. And it definitely did that, especially some subtle themes, like you pointed out the uh, the doomsday. Yeah, might have pointed out a little bit too much for future stuff, but that's okay. I'll work and on that. And then pull people in and so it's definitely not going to be the most exciting thing about right. the series but it did its job really well and that's all you can ask out of yeah. an introduction obviously every issue for me is going to be a 10 out of 10 i'm going <laughs> to withhold any any issue rankings uh especially with rice but Ooh. this has been men of the machine i'm kevin i'm craig thanks for listening And as you can see, over here we have the man of the machine.